Well, that's good news for everybody today. You would be hard-pressed to find a more colorful biblical character than David. He's one of our favorites. So many chapters in the book of his life story, and every one absolutely great. We know a lot about the seasons in David's life, and we celebrate most of them. We know the chapter in his autobiography that would include the prophet Samuel being told by God, I'm fed up with Saul. I've taken the anointing away from King Saul. I'm ready to anoint a new king. Go down to Jesse's house, for there I will anoint Israel's next king. So the prophet goes to Jesse's house. Jesse had several sons, and one by one, beginning with the oldest, Jesse brought his sons to the prophet in the living room. And the prophet said, nuh-uh, that's not the one. All of the sons came through the house, and nobody was the right one. And the prophet said to Jesse, is this all of your sons? He said, no, I have one more, but he's so young. And uh, he's the runt. And uh, God love him and all, but all he's good for is keeping some sheep I've assigned to him out in the field. The prophet said, send for him and bring him in the house. So David, the little boy who had not been heard of up until this time, was brought into his father's house. And Samuel, the prophet, looked at him and realized that was the anointed one to one day become Israel's king. And the moral of that story is many times others can only see a shepherd boy while God may see a king. How wonderful of a story is that? And then, of course, all of us are familiar with another story from David's life when the Philistine army was taunting God's people overwhelming God's people with this giant that stood nine and a half feet tall, just flirting with God's people, daring them to come out and fight him. Send me your best man. And then all of the soldiers in Israel's army were intimidated and afraid to go and fight Goliath. But this little boy, David, had grown just a little and he happened to be at the battlefield to bring his older brothers who were soldiers some food to eat. And David, still a young boy, heard that giant and saw him in the valley uh, just taunting God's people. And it rubbed David the wrong way. And nobody knew how God had been preparing David for this. Nobody was around watching David in previous days when a bear came out to threaten the sheep and with his bare hands, David killed that bear. Nobody was watching David as he grew on the backside of the farm when a lion came out of the woods and wanted to kill the sheep and with his bare hands, David killed that lion. And it was an opportunity for David. He knew in a moment he had been prepared for this battle. And he said, I will go and fight that giant. And 
with a rock and a sling he killed Goliath and an entire nation surrendered to the true God because of that one victory that day. We know that story well. We know other stories from the life of David. Some are not so celebrated, like the story with his adultery with Bathsheba. And uh, uh, even after the adultery, in order to cover it up, he uh, plotted the murder of Bathsheba's wife. And so guilty of adultery, guilty of murder and cover up, huh? What? Uh, I need a teleprompter. I'm working without a net, but thank you. Keep me straight. My wife straightens me out every now and then, so I preach better when she's here, so thank you. It was Bathsheba's husband. Yeah. Anyway, David got in big trouble over that. However, we also know that uh, David repented. He was remorseful. He even said, as he wrote most of the Psalms, against you and you only, O God, have I sinned. And then he begged the Lord, please don't take your Holy Spirit away from me. He went on to be called a man after God's own heart. The story we learn from that chapter in David's life is he became more famous for his repentance than he was famous for his sin. What a great Bible character. And then on the battlefield, as he grew into adulthood, uh, he was one of the greatest warriors, so much so that all of Israel celebrated his uh, victories in battle by singing a song defaming King Saul and promoting David in their minds over Saul, who was still on the throne at this point, the song went something like this. Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his tens of thousands. And Saul became jealous and desired to kill David because he was threatened by his authority. There's a a lesser known chapter in David's life that happens right about now that deserves more attention than we give it. And so much inspiration and encouragement comes from this small chapter in his life. David at that point had been running for his life, hiding from King Saul who wanted to kill him for 12 years. Imagine what it would be like running and hiding from an enemy that had a target on your head for 12 years. David had been reduced during these 12 years from the great warrior in the battlefield commanding armies to just 600 men who were with him, hiding out in caves. They had gone to a city with their families, their wives and their children, and they had set up camp in a place called Ziklag, a city called Ziklag. He was worn out after 12 years from running from King Saul, and then this happened. The Bible says all of the armies of the Philistines came against David. All of the armies, plural, came against one man and 
his 600 men, well outnumbered. And then in 1 Samuel chapter 30, beginning at verse 1, this happened. Now what happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south, and Ziklag attacked the city and burned it with fire, and had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great, They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire. And their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. Verse 6. Now David was greatly distressed for the people, those 600 men who had stuck with him up to that point, spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. This small chapter, it may seem, in David's life needs to be celebrated more than it is. He had come to the end of himself. Him and the faithful men who for years had banded together with him, and they were all exhausted, no more strength. And then the worst thing yet happened. All of their wives and sons and daughters had been taken captive and had disappeared. And then mutiny. Even the few friends David had left that had stood by him turned against him. The Bible says every soul was bitter. Oh, the weight of a bitter soul. Nothing as bad as a bitter soul. And they wanted to stone David. And the very next thing we see in Scripture is, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. That's what I want to talk about this morning, how to strengthen yourself. It's one thing to experience God and his deliverance and his touch in a corporate group like we are this morning. You'd have to be in a coma not to experience God like we are this morning. But the real victories in our lives come when we seek God and press into His purpose when nobody else is around to help us. It's just you and God. And whether you've uh, had any of these occasions yet in your life or not, Hold on. If you haven't, you will before it's over. There are times you're going to need to experience the fresh strength and power from God. And a pastor cannot get to you. A prophet cannot get to you. Your favorite television preacher cannot get to you. Benny Hinn will not pray for you. God. It will come down to
to you knowing how to strengthen yourself in the Lord. I can't imagine being more exhausted, more depleted than David had to be at that point in his life. He had suffered the loss of so much and then now his wife, sons, daughters, all of the family members of the faithful few who had remained with him, even they now turned against you. They didn't have any more power to cry anymore. Have you ever been that depleted? No more power to weep another tear. Bitterness of soul let stone the future king. But David knew how to strengthen himself, and we need to do it too. I'm going to quickly give you four words. Each four are disciplines. Now, I hate discipline. Anybody really love discipline? I hate it. I want to go on record for it. I hate it. Need to work on it. But one of the nine fruit of the Holy Spirit is self-control, self-discipline. So each one of these four words are keys to how we can strengthen our own self in the Lord when we need to. And the first one is the discipline of simplicity. When you're overwhelmed and exhausted and the whole world seems to be against you and nobody is there for you. Everybody who's around is against you like David was or so it may seem to you. Then simplicity. It's time to get back to the basics. Solomon said in Ecclesiastes, God made us plain and simple, but we have made ourselves very complicated. Paul said, I'm afraid that just as the serpent deceived Eve, your minds would be led astray from the simplicity of devotion to Christ. When you are depleted and exhausted and find yourself in a place where you alone must strengthen your own self, get back to the basics. Rule out everything that's not important for a season at least. And Bust the myth of multitasking. You can only do one thing at a time. Well, there were two sisters, Mary and Martha. They were very different. Jesus was invited to their home and had to straighten Martha out when he said to Martha, who was a busybody and a workhorse, and we need them. We need somebody to set the coffee pot. Take care of the details. Excellence is in the details. We need some of Martha. But there are times when we need to hear what Jesus said to, to Martha. He said, Martha, Martha, one thing is necessary. Now, when you need to strengthen yourself in the Lord, you need to find out that one thing is necessary. Paul said, everything I've achieved, all my accomplishments... I would throw it in the garbage just so that I can know God intimately. He said, this one thing I do. And we live in a multitasking age where we don't do anything very well, not even hear clearly from God because we're so distracted in our day. 
The highest purpose of our life is to know God intimately. And that word intimacy is a special word to our church family moving forward. Intimacy with God. Paul said in Philippians 3.10 in the Amplified Bible, you know, uh, in the Bible most of us read, he said, this one thing I do. The Amplified says, for my determined purpose is that I may know him. My determined purpose. When you need to strengthen your own self in the Lord and you've lost all of the strength and nobody's there to pray with you or to help you or to lift you up from that place and you're all on your own, just you and God, you need to realize that I must act with determined purpose and I need to simplify my life, get a lot less complicated. Zero in on the one thing that's important, that's my intimacy with God. Everything else is trash, I will throw it all away just that I may know Him. And it requires determined purpose. And that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with Him, Paul said. Determined purpose is neither easy nor automatic. And God leads us when we realize yet again in a fresh way there's only one thing important. All my hope is in God. My relationship, my intimacy with Him, where I go from this point moving forward is based on that. That's the beginning of strengthening your own self in the Lord. 1 Corinthians 2.10 says, The Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. Romans eleven thirty three. 33, Paul said, Oh, the depths of the riches and the wisdom and knowledge of God. The depths. When we simplify our life, find a place where we can connect with God in a fresh way because our life may depend on it now. We're simply depleted of all strength. And we realize it's possible to strengthen our own self in the Lord. Then... God leads us into deeper things. We reach a place to where something deep in God starts calling out to something deep in you. And there's an attraction. The two come together. There's nothing like depth to make us dissatisfied with the shallow and the superficial. And it all begins when we get back to the basics of what really is important, what our purpose in the earth really is. And there's only one thing that is necessary in that season of our life. And that is a determined purpose in here that we may know him more deeply and more intimately than ever before. The discipline of simplicity. Get back to the basics. Some of us have too much going on. Most of it's unnecessary and distraction. The second word is silence. It requires discipline too. The discipline of silence. Absolute silence in our day and age is the rarest of experiences. It's just hard to find a quiet place. But so much noise and background clutter leaves us spiritually insensitive. We hear other cries from the crowd much louder than we hear God speak when we're surrounded by nothing but unending noise. I don't care 
what color the noise is. White noise, I heard there was a white noise. Whatever color, whatever volume, if it's not silence, we may miss something we need when we go to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. Our problem is so many cries, so many voices uh, are coming from the crowd. We don't know what to believe. We don't know what to run with. We don't know how to tune it out or even turn it down. We need to find a place of silence and shut out every voice but one. God said, be still. And know that I am God. We move away from the chaos and we find a place of stillness and quiet. We get back to the basics of what's really important. We begin with the discipline of simplicity and then also silence. Now, I passed that test this week briefly. I think most of you did. Saturday morning, the hurricane started blowing heavy wind and dumping lots of rain on all of us. And it wasn't but just an hour or so. And all of us lost electricity. And for days, no television, no internet, no radio. It was quiet at my house awfully silent. When dark came, I blew out the candle beside the bed and went to sleep. Back to the basics. Here's a thought I will keep is I think the first night without power, or maybe the second night, and thankfully, I think on day three, I got my power back. And some of you just got yours back yesterday. Some of you may not have yours back yet. And uh, God, we love power, don't we? But I think the second night, and Brenda was not home. I was there by myself. She was still in Texas holding the grandbabies. And, and uh, there was the candle, and I started to blow it out again. And I said, well, can't turn the TV on, can't get on the iPad to do anything with email, or can't find out how the debate between Hillary and Trump went. I mean, I think I heard about there was one, but don't know the news and don't know what's going on in the world. Unable to get noise. Started to blow that candle out, and then I realized, well, I'll read the Bible. It seemed like a last resort. I mean, had the TV been working, I'd have done that. Had my iPad been cranked up, I'd have done that, sadly. But I remember saying to myself out loud when I opened the Bible, Lord, it's come to this. Isn't that pitiful? <laughs> Don't act like you're so self-righteous out there. Lord, it's come to this. I can't. I can't get any other noise. Everything is so quiet, it's silent in here. I'm having no choice but to be still. 
And he said, it's there when you will know who I am. My, my, I strengthened myself. I got so many long sermons that night. I will spare you. <laughs> then third, the discipline of solitude. I faced that test this week too. Some of you may have. Usually, Brenda's at the house with me, but that's always a joy. I love her companionship every single hour that I have her with me. Uh, but when I am alone, it's not that often, I am never lonesome. Never. Listen, if you battle lonesomeness, you need to look at it like this. Jesus said, I will never leave you. And as long as you and the Lord are together, you are in great company. And as important as companionship is for encouragement, times of solitude are equally important. And we need to pass the test of the lonely seasons. And when you need to strengthen yourself in the Lord, sometimes you need to get away from the crowd and find a lonely place where you know nobody's going to be there to help you but the Lord. Just you and the Lord. It's in solitude where soul searching takes place. Inner battles are fought. Paul said, let a man examine himself. And that's what happens in solitude. Solitude, you search your own heart and you allow the Lord to reveal some things in you that perhaps should be adjusted. And sometimes if the enemy cannot stop you from doing the right thing, he will change your motive. And then he's Stolen your reward just the same. So deep soul searching when it's just you and the Lord, the discipline of solitude. Jesus said to his disciples in Mark 6, come away by yourselves to a lonely place and rest a while. There's something that's required of us in solitude. It's discipline. I know. It feels like punishment, but it's only discipline, and God meets us there. And then finally, and this one is so important, the discipline of surrender. We need to do that from time to time. Just because you surrendered your life to the Lord once, maybe 5, 10, 20, 30 years ago or more, you know, some of us have to surrender in a fresh way more often. And the discipline of surrender simply means in this place of surrender, I am determined to trust the Lord completely. That's what surrender really means. To trust the Lord completely. Here are some confessions of an unsurrendered life. Someone who will not surrender to the Lord. Their prayer is like this. When you, O oh God, would guide me, I control myself. 
confessions of an unsurrendered life. When you, O oh God, would be sovereign, I rule myself. Confessions of an unsurrendered life. When I should depend on your providence, O oh God, I supply myself. So we need to yield completely and trust God with everything in order to strengthen our own self in the Lord. So now let's revisit in closing. There is the discipline of simplicity, getting back to the basics, realizing only one thing is necessary and understanding what that one thing is. And then the discipline of silence, shutting out every other voice that cries out to us from the crowd and only being tuned in to the voice of God, being still and knowing who God is. Then the discipline of solitude, soul searching, examining our own selves, getting away to a lonely place for rest when it's just you and the Lord. And then finally, trusting God completely with all the mess you're in. The discipline of surrender. Surrendering in a fresh way. God, please take over. And we sang wonderful praise course today about I surrender all to you. I surrender. If you haven't done it lately, then it may be time to do it again. Surrendering completely in trust to the Lord. And if you have uh, control issues, just don't want to yield. Just feeling like you can still work this out your own self without surrendering it to the Lord. Then you need to realize that nothing under His control can ever be out of control. That's an invitation right there to surrender. Whatever mess you're in, whatever concerns you're dealing with, the weights and the burdens, the challenges you face, and we're real people around here. I know, I know you real well. Um, we, we deal with some life stuff, but God can handle it all. And sometimes our victory only comes when we reach a place that says, Lord, I can't control this anymore, but I'm surrendering it. The one thing about surrender is struggle stops. When you finally surrender, Struggle stops, and nothing under his control is ever out of control. Stand with me. Everybody standing, if you would. Bow your heads, please, as the altar prayer and ministry team find their way to the front of the auditorium. Every head bowed. We're going to make time at the end of our service in just a moment for those of you who have need for prayer to come and receive prayer from our prayer team. Father, thank you for the word of the Lord that reaches us on a day when we need to hear from God. Thank you for the fresh awareness of just how good you are to us. Even on our worst days, you're good in every way. And our worst day with you 
is better than our best day without you. Always that's so true. Lord, there are people here today who are depleted in soul and spirit, exhausted. They've come to the end of themselves and their struggle and then their challenges in life. It might be a physical issue with their health. It might be a relationship and a marriage or another relationship, parents or children, siblings. It may be a financial need. Just exhausted, don't know where to go next. Lord, we have so many needs, more needs in this auditorium right now than there are people. Each of us have at least one and many of us have so much more than one. But we find a place of surrender at the altar now. We bring our burdens to the altar and we leave them here right now. Thank you for meeting with your people, ministering to our needs now in Jesus' name. While your heads are bowed, every eye closed. If you're here right now, just a couple of questions before we dismiss. Nobody looking but me. If you're here and you will say, you know, I never have surrendered my life to the Lord. Or perhaps you do know what that's like and you have drifted. You know, he's not been the one that moved, but you have drifted You've backslidden. I won't get into theology on that, but I don't even care whether you think it's possible or not. You know what I mean. You're not at that place of intimacy with the Lord that you once were. Your relationship has cooled a little and you're aware of that now. If that's you in any category, raise your hand. Just be honest with me. God bless the many hands that are going up. Thank you for being honest. You know, I know right now in my spirit all of heaven tilted and looked toward you when you were honest right then. Thank you for being that bold. Now, I want to also say quickly, you've got faith obviously working right now, or you wouldn't have raised your hand. And we especially want those of you who raised your hand to come forward and just simply tell one of the prayer team members, uh, I want to surrender everything in my life to the Lord. They will pray for you, and you don't have to go out that door carrying any weight that you may have brought in with you. Others, I'll ask this question. If you're struggling with an issue in your life, and you can relate to this chapter in David's life, I'm exhausted, I'm depleted, I've come to the end of myself, I don't know what to do next. This word is a fresh word from heaven, an in-season word I need today, and I'm encouraged to hear from God on the matter, and I have faith rising that I can find a place of surrender, the concerns that I have. Raise your hand if that's you. Anybody with struggles going on, God bless the many of you. You're also welcome to come and receive prayer. It's not a counseling session. It doesn't take five minutes or 30 minutes. It's a simple matter of two or three on earth agreeing together concerning any need you may have. Jesus promised that he would answer that prayer. Now, Father, I bless the people of God who've honored you by coming to your house today to give you their worship and to receive the best you have for us. Thank you for showing up among your people today. And I speak a word of blessing over the men and women and the children in this church. May this coming week be by far so much more blessed 
than it would have been had they forgotten to honor you on the Sabbath by coming to your house. Blessings over every man and woman. Would you bless them this week? Would you minister healing to the sick this week? Would you open doors that have been closed by man this week according to your purpose for us? Blessings, blessings, and blessings so that next Sunday this time, if anyone asks us how we're doing, we can honestly say, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. Thank you for being good to us in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed. You're free to go. But if you would like prayer before you go out that door, come and receive prayer.